Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Caressa brings us a sermon titled, Holy Expectancy. Scripture comes from Luke 2, 21 through 40, read by Pastor Caressa. Well, today is the first Sunday of Christmas, and you survived Christmas, hallelujah. (laughs) How many took a really long nap on the 26th? (laughs) Maybe even in the afternoon of the 25th, right? But you survived all the hustle and bustle, but what's most important on this first Sunday of Christmas is that we continue to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Just a week ago, we journeyed with the shepherds to the manger and found the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in that manger. We remember the shepherds told Mary and Joseph all the angels had said to them, and Mary treasured these words in her heart. And then the shepherds went to go share the good news of great joy with all people that here this day in the city of David is born the new king. These words of the shepherds that they proclaimed would bring peace and hope, joy, and love to a very hurting and broken world. Don't we need to hear those words of hope, peace, joy, and love in our hurting and broken world? The reason these words meant so much to the shepherds, to the people in the village of Bethlehem, and to everyone that they met, is because for years, hundreds of years, the people of God had waited for a revolution, for a reversal of fortune, for freedom from the Roman oppression that they had been under for decades and decades. They wanted their liberty, their lives, their land back. And prophecy foretold that God would send a Messiah, the anointed one, to reign over David's throne to restore peace and justice, glory and greatness. From widow to priest, child to elder, from poor to rich, the Israelite people, all of them knew this prophecy deep, deep within their hearts, and they longed for the day that they would see it. Today would be that day for Simeon and for Anna. So eight days after a child was born, it was customary according to the Jewish law and tradition for a male child to be circumcised and officially given his name. And so being devout and obedient to their religious upbringing, Mary and Joseph had the child circumcised and they named him Jesus, just as the angel of God had told them to name him Jesus for he would save his people from their sins. And next on the list of rituals would be a purification and a dedication. Forty days after a child was born, the mother was to go to the temple to be purified after giving birth. And the firstborn male child of every family was to be dedicated to the Lord and an offering given. So that is the reason that Mary and Joseph are going to the temple at this time And God bless them, they've got a six-week-old child in their arms. 
and they're having to go to the temple, but this is their duty, this is their ritual, this is their tradition. Just as we baptize or dedicate a baby here in our tradition, they went. And with them, they carried two turtle doves because they were too poor to offer a full lamb. And so they go. They go to the temple to dedicate their child to God, their firstborn son. And they go bringing two turtle doves because that's all they could afford to offer in thanksgiving to God for this precious child. And friends, it would be here in this temple, in the house of God, the center of Jewish life, that eyes would be open to see and the hearts ready to receive this long-awaited Messiah, the Christ child. And that brings us to our text for today, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 40. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was consumed in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, for as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male should be designated as holy to the Lord. And there, Mary and Joseph offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Holy Spirit, Simeon came into the temple that day, and when Mary and Joseph brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light revelation for the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your soul too. That day there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but she worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about this child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, then they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And this child, Jesus, grew and became strong, 
filled with wisdom, and the favor of the Lord was upon him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, as we think about this story of Simeon and Anna, we remember that many people expected it. They expected something. They expected the prophecy to come true, but they did not know when or where or how or what would happen. We remember that for hundreds of years, imagine generations of us for 400 years yearning and hoping and praying for relief for the Messiah, for the one that would come and wipe out the oppressive uh, mandates of that Roman Empire, the one who would come and restore peace and power and well-being to a people who were so desperate for help. But as we can imagine, as time went on, their hope-filled anticipation faded with each passing year. Their prayers became less frequent. Their yearning grew deeper, yet suppressed by what they were experiencing on a day-to-day basis. And finally, after generations and generations, there were very few people that walked around with a posture of holy expectancy, an eager anticipation, a, a watchful expectation that God's promise would come to fruition. There's very few people that had that posture of holy expectancy, but one of them was Simeon. Simeon, who was advanced in years and nearing death, he clung to the promise that God would reveal to him the Messiah before he died. This Messiah to save God's people, to bring back glory to Israel, to help the people be a light of revelation to others. You see, Simeon knew that the promises of God extended beyond the Jewish people, that this would be good news of great joy for all people. And so Simeon, day after day, went to the temple, prayed and hoped. But again, years passed. The hope faded. And he wondered if he would ever see this Messiah. And as we heard in the scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit, Simeon entered the temple on that very day, at that very hour. And somehow, some way, through a sea of parents coming to the temple that day to dedicate their child to the Lord, Simeon is led to Mary and Joseph. And somehow, some way, Simeon knew that this child was the child the Messiah they had longed for. And the sight of this child, the arrival of the promised one, stirs something in Simeon. And so he sweeps the child into his arms like a a proud grandfather, sweeping his firstborn grandchild into his arms. And Simeon erupts in song, praising God for his eyes finally see what it is that he has hoped for his whole life the Messiah, the child. And Simeon's song would echo what Mary sang. Remember when she was visited by the angel and then she rushed off to be with Elizabeth and she saw that Elizabeth was pregnant. And then Mary erupted in a song and we call it the Magnificat. And Mary and Simeon both sing about God's saving acts 
They sing about how God would scatter the proud and the rich, would lift up the lonely and fill the hungry, and would restore peace and justice to the people. So here Simeon is. Can you imagine if you were there as Mary and Joseph, tired and weary? I mean, you have a six-week-old, for goodness sakes. How many of us with a six-week-old would want to traipse to a temple and spend hours in line waiting to dedicate our child, and then this old stranger comes and scoops up your child out of your arms and starts singing praises about how he's the Christ child? I don't know about you, but I'd be a little unnerved. I'd say, can I have my baby back, please? But you see, there was something special, something holy in this moment that only Mary and Joseph knew. Nobody else standing around knew that this child was the child that Simeon knew. Simeon knew that this was no ordinary child, that this was the sign and symbol of hope and peace and justice that the people had longed for, that this was a sign that God had not left the people, that God was still here with the people in the midst and the muck of the messiness and brokenness of the world, and that God was going to bring light and life once again. And so Mary and Joseph entering into this temple, tired and weary from bringing, being brand new parents, never would have imagined that simply by walking into this temple this day, that What the angels told the shepherds and the shepherds told Mary and Joseph and what they had heard from the angels would be known by anyone else. But here he was. Here was Simeon standing before them, a wise and faithful man, acknowledging and proclaiming the good news of great joy for all people. And I can imagine that just when Mary and Joseph are trying to wrap their heads around this this scene before him, this Simeon holding their child and singing praises to God, they hear another voice echoing through the temple. Anna, the prophetess, was another person who was waiting with holy expectancy. You see, night and day, day and night, Anna would long, she would sit there and fast and pray in the temple, hoping hoping for the one that would come to redeem Israel. Now she too was of great age, a widow and a prophet. And maybe she heard Simeon singing as it echoed through the temple, or maybe just maybe, maybe just maybe at that moment, the Holy Spirit was moving in and among her, nudging her to take note, to recognize, to be aware that something very special, something very sacred was happening at this moment that she had been waiting for. You see, Anna and Simeon had longed and prayed, along with the people, for God to break into this world, for God to bring hope for better days, to release them from their bondage, to bring about a new day, a new era, new possibilities for them. And in a wonderful mystery that only eyes of faith can see, Simeon and Anna recognized the holy in their midst. And friends, their lives were forever changed. You see, now that their eyes had seen and their ears had heard, their hearts resounded with joy. And they lived each day with holy expectancy as they watched 
God's plan unfold before them. For some, the story of Simeon and Anna is very familiar. For others, you may have never heard this story, or it's a story that is seldom told this time of year. But I believe it's a story worth telling again and again, for it reveals to us the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that breathes life into our lungs and whispers into our ears. The Holy Spirit that opens our eyes and and our hearts to understand things in a different way. The Holy Spirit that reveals to us how and where God is present and at work in our lives. And as we reflect on this past year, as we look forward to a brand new year of possibilities, how and where is God at work in our lives? you've probably heard the saying, follow your gut. Anybody ever heard that? Follow your gut. What does your gut tell you? How many times have I heard that? But as I've grown in life and faith, I now see and sense this gut feeling more as the Holy Spirit's nudging. Maybe, just maybe, that gut feeling is really God speaking to me. Maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit is nudging me in a particular direction, prompting me to pay attention and inspiring me to recognize the holy in the midst. Well, friends, last Sunday I shared on Christmas Eve a story of my interaction with a cashier. Uh, My children and I had gone to buy presents for children in need, kind of like an angel tree where you take a tag and you go and you buy presents. And I had shared last Sunday night that when we went to the checkout line and we were, the cashier was uh, taking all of the, the items and scanning them and putting them in our bags, he inquired, like, what are all these toys and clothes for? I mean, it was a lot, lot of stuff. And so we told him that we were buying, children, we were buying uh, clothes and, and um, toys for children in need and that they were going to go to children that otherwise wouldn't have a great Christmas. And I shared that he told us, he said, thank you. Thank you for doing this because I was one of those children. I was one of those children who we didn't have anything for Christmas. We had nothing under the tree. And if it wasn't for people like you, we would not have had a Christmas. So I shared that story last Sunday evening to share this. It was a couple of weeks later, and I went back to that same store in the middle of the day when, of course, they only have one checkout line open. Right? Have you ever experienced this? Yes. Well, of course, nowadays they have a sea of self-checkout lines, right? So you can do it yourself. But going in the middle of the day, I was in a rush. I was in a hurry. I'd had a really rough week. I just needed to grab a few things, get in, get out. And, of course, I walk up. And I look, and there's a line of people. I'm talking six, eight people deep. And there's one checkout line open. And I don't know about you, but that just raises my frustration. Why, you know, and you see all these different cashiers, nothing against cashiers, but you see all these people stocking and stuff, and you're like, can we just open another one, please? Just one more, right? 
And so there I am with this cart full of stuff in that same store a few weeks later, and I look and I'm like, okay, I can wait in this line of six people, or I can go over to the self-checkout line, but it's one of those days where you've just got so much stuff in your cart, you really don't want to have to go through the self-checkout thing. So I stood there in my frustration. I took a deep breath. I looked at the self-checkout line. I looked at the six deep in the line. And then I felt a nudge. I felt a nudge to join the masses with my cart in the long line of the one checkout that was open. And I waited, and I waited, getting a little anxious as I waited. But then as the person before me took their bags and walked off, the cashier turned to look in my direction, and there he was. That same cashier with the hair halfway covering his eyes, and he looked up, and he saw me, and he smiled. He recognized me. And then there was this holy pause amidst all the hustle and bustle. There was a holy pause, and he looked at me and he said, welcome back. He said he went home that day, then he met my children and I when we had bought all the gifts and we had had this interaction, and he went home and he told his seven siblings about the people that had helped them over the years. He, those children had ever known kind of where those Christmas presents had gone, and so he went back that same day and he told his siblings about our interaction. He told his siblings about how people, out of the generosity of their heart, out of gratitude for God, had provided Christmas for them every year growing up. And he said that that night, he prayed for the first time in a long time. And he thanked God. He thanked God for all that God had provided them. And he said that interaction that we had had in that checkout line weeks ago had been a holy moment for him. And here I am, in the midst of a rush and a busy day and frustration and stress and want to get in and out, and God pauses me to have a holy moment, a holy interaction with this young man once again. And he said, he said, not only did I, I pray for the first time in a long time that night, but he asked God, to help him be watchful, watchful for opportunities, opportunities to share love, to give people hope, opportunities that he may not have otherwise recognized. And in that moment, I felt the presence of God slowing me down to cherish this holy interaction. Friends, oftentimes when we experience the holy in our midst, it's, we recognize it after the fact. But what if we waited and watched? What if we waited and watched with holy expectancy to sense and see the presence of God in our midst? An eager anticipation to experience the Holy Spirit moving and nudging and and speaking to us as we go about 
our daily lives? How would that change our day? How would that change how we approach each day or each interaction with people if we had a posture of holy expectancy, waiting and watching for the Holy Spirit? When Mary and Joseph returned home that day from the temple, it was just the beginning. The beginning of their child's life as Jesus grew stronger and filled with wisdom, blessed by the favor of God. It was the beginning of God's plan unfolding in and through the life of this child. It was the beginning of a new tomorrow, full of expectancy and hope. And so as I think about this story of Mary and Joseph taking their child to the temple, as I think about Simeon and Anna and how they followed the, the, the guiding of the Holy Spirit, how they were filled with the Holy Spirit to recognize the holy in their midst, it makes me think about how we approach the new year, the new year that starts tomorrow. Will we live with holy expectancy? Will we be more attentive to how and where God is at work in and through the Holy Spirit? As we begin this new year, may we too, like Simeon, like Anna, live with holy expectancy. May we have eyes ready to see and hearts ready to receive how the Holy Spirit is present and at work in our lives. May we, like Simeon, actively look for God's saving acts. Like Anna, may we be keenly aware of the holy in our midst. For tomorrow is a new day. Tomorrow is a new beginning, a new year full of opportunities for God's gift of love and hope, peace and joy. So may we not only be attentive and expectant, but when it does happen, when that holy moment happens, I encourage you to go and to share that with others. Go and tell people how God is at work in your life. For just like my interaction with this young man, you never know the impact, the difference it can make when you share what you have experienced. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.